get to introduce a speaker or the guy that's going to preach this morning. Um, and I don't have to introduce Stephen. Um, we've all heard him. So instead of introducing him this morning, I just want to honor him. I want to, on behalf of this congregation, say to you, Steve, you have touched, I think, every one of us. And I know that you will continue to touch us for years to come. I want to honor you this morning, Steve, for your sincerity and your integrity. I want to honor you for the way that you embrace every single person that you meet, um, the way that you make people feel comfortable, the way that you make people feel loved. And I know that I speak on behalf of this whole congregation. Our church wouldn't be the same without you and Yvette. And so this morning as you preach the word, allow God's kingdom to come through you, but also know that you preach to a group of people that truly appreciate and love you for who you are. So I'm not going to introduce you. We all know who you are, but we are truly blessed that you're going to preach this morning. Amen. Thank you. Morning, guys. Um, I don't know why, but I'm a, I'm a little bit emotional this morning. I, I, so just, just bear with me until I get, get a bit of grips. But um, I just really feel um, the message for this morning, God, has laid heavily on my heart. And it's like a burden that I have to, to transfer it. So I think that might, might be why I'm a little bit... Just emotional. But uh, let's start off with a joke. I actually hope that um, uh, Gareth uh, introduced me as an elder. And then I would have gone to say that this morning when I was uh, shaving, I saw that uh, my flesh is now starting to submit because of my beard. There's quite a bit of gray hair coming. So finally my, my flesh is starting to submit to the title of eldership. It's just a joke. Um, but uh, yeah, this morning I want to I continue with the theme of multiplication. Uh, that Sonica and Andre has, has started to share with us and continue to ask the question of um, how do we multiply ourselves? How do we raise up leaders? How do we build the kingdom? Amen? Um, and uh, this morning also the message that I want to share is a little bit different than normally what, what God's, God lays on my heart. Or normally God lays a message on my heart about something that's really been established and cemented in my life, something that's like second nature to me, um, Something that I, yeah, I don't even think about. It just comes naturally. But uh, this morning is different. Uh, God has been challenging me around the area of discipline and routine and establishing discipline and routine. Uh, so this morning is more like a discussion as, a, as such, as a, as a message. And I would have actually liked us to make a big circle and we could sit and really discuss this topic. Um, but yeah, that just wouldn't be practical. So my, my heart this morning and my prayer this morning is that what I mean by discussion is that I'll still do most of the talking, don't worry. But um, as we go away, that we'll continue to discuss with one another and break down and see what does this message really mean to our lives? What does this message mean in our lives? How can we apply it in our circumstances, in our life? How can we make this, this message real to us? Okay, but enough about me. Let me ask you guys a question. <clears throat> Who of you want to grow in maturity in Christ? Who wants to become a mature Christian? Okay, awesome. So God has given me the right crowd to speak to this morning. Because um, I want to straight from the start, I want to share with you the truth for today. And this is my point, and this is the take-home message that I want to say to you guys. And, it, and it's the fact, or it's the truth, that the practice of spiritual discipline is the only route to maturity in Christ. If you want to become, and you and I want to become mature in Christ, mature in our walk with Christ, mature in our relationship with Christ, the only way to that is through practicing spiritual 
discipline. Okay, so let me just pray before we, we get into it. We're going to be speaking this morning about, we're going to discuss, and we're going to un- unpack a little bit this, what is spiritual dis- discipline? Why, why spiritual discipline? What is spiritual discipline? And how do I practice spiritual discipline? But let's just pray before we get into the Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, I just pray for myself now, Lord. I pray that everything that's on my heart and my mind that you've laid in my heart, God, that I will bring it across in an anointed way. I pray for your Holy Spirit to come and anoint my words so that it can really bring and transform and change like you want and you intended it to do. So I just pray for it right now. I pray, Lord, for just for peace upon me so I can be able to share in such a way that brings glory and honor to your name. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's go and look at the why. Why is spiritual discipline? Okay, why is spiritual discipline important? And why is that the only route to maturity in Christ? We go uh, to 1 Timothy. We read from 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 to 8. And it's Paul speaking to Timothy, who was his spiritual son. Spiritual son. So we're asking the question, how can we multiply ourselves? Here we're reading, Paul is, is speaking to Timothy and he's encouraging him, he's, he's telling him how to, um, we're actually seeing how, how Paul multiplied himself in Timothy. How he was raising some, um, himself up, how he was raising Timothy up. So let's read there from verse, verses 7. But it has nothing to do with irrelevant, irreverent folklore and silly myth. On the other hand, discipline yourselves. Let's say discipline. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. For physical training is of some value, but godliness, spiritual training, is of value in everything and in every way. Let's just read that together. But godliness, spiritual training, is of value in everything and in every way. Since it holds promise for the present life and for the, and for the life to come. Okay, so what is Paul saying to Timothy? He says, Timothy, I'm busy raising you up, but what is important? Don't, don't listen to the stories. Don't listen to the, the politics. Don't, don't get consumed in those things. You focus on discipline, discipline in your life. You focus on spiritual discipline. And uh, who of you uh, likes um, physical exercise? Who enjoys some physical exercise? Okay, awesome. So what Paul is saying here that physical exercise is not completely useless. It's got some value. Now I'm stepping on some toes here. But he's saying, much more than physical exercise, we should be focusing on spiritual exercise. We should be focusing on training our spirit man. We should be focused on godliness. Why? Because godliness is of value in everything and in every way. And it holds promise for the present life and for the future life, eternity. So why is spiritual discipline the only route to maturity in Christ? Because maturity in Christ doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen through a miracle. It's not magic. It's not like you pray the one day, God make me spiritually mature, and the next day you, you mature. Spiritual uh, uh, maturity in Christ also doesn't come by snoozing another five minutes in the morning when you need to wake up. Spiritual uh, maturity in Christ also doesn't come by watching a lot of movies, watching a lot of series, by twittering the whole day, by Facebooking all the time. By Instagramming. Spiritual um, maturity in Christ also doesn't come by filling all of our time with family and friends. Maturity in Christ doesn't come by chance. 
It doesn't come by spending all of our time working. Maturity in Christ only happens through intentionality. Go to the next slide. Maturity in Christ only happens through intentionality. And I know intentionality is not a real word, but I like it. (laughs) Maturity in Christ only happens through intentionality, intentionally practicing spiritual discipline. Can someone say amen? So, to sketch the picture, I've, um, I've drawn a graph to, to, give you, to give you guys a bit more of a picture of what, to give a bit more of an understanding of what I'm talking about here. So, um, you know, I am an engineer after all, so I thought I'd put this in here just to uh, bring some uh, legitimacy and some uh, logic to my message this morning. And uh, all the other engineers, you know, should be uh, very excited about this. So, there's my, my graph around spiritual discipline. And we've got the y-axis and the x-axis. The x-axis being time, y-axis being our maturity, maturity level in Christ. And right at the bottom we see not in Christ, then we see immature in Christ, then we see mature in Christ, and then there's this grace that kind of bridges the gap between not in Christ and, and in Christ. Now we all know that we start off this life, we are born into this life as sinners, right? Because of the fall of Adam and Eve, because of the sin, because of them rebelling against God. We are, we've all inherited that sinful nature. When we are born into this world, we are born as sinners. By default, we fall into the category of not in Christ. How do we get from not in Christ to in Christ? It's simply by acknowledging that we are sinners and acknowledging that Jesus is the only Savior. He's the only way that can, can um, save us. Okay, so acknowledging Him, confessing that we are sinners, acknowledging that He's our Savior, um, believing the fact that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and that he rose again. So, moving from not in Christ to in Christ is something actually that in that moment when you confess and you believe in God, you make him king, in a moment, in an instance of time, supernaturally, you move from the point of not being in Christ to in Christ. It is something supernatural. It's purely by the grace of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God. There's nothing you and me can do to work our way from not in Christ to Christ. Amen. It's supernatural. It's instant. But after that, you can go to the next slide, we start on this curve. We start to move from immature in Christ to mature in Christ. And now in this curve, on this curve, there is nothing supernatural about it. In the sense that you don't pray, like I said, you don't pray today, um, God, I want to become mature, and the next day you mature. This, the only route to maturity, from immaturity to maturity, is through practicing spiritual discipline. So it doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen through a miracle. It actually happens through practicing um, spiritual, spiritual discipline. And this is why the Scripture speaks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is why Scripture speaks about sanctification. This is why the Scripture speaks of be, re, um, be renewed, be continually renewed by your mind. Thank you, thank you. Be continually transformed by renewal of your mind. Be continually trans- Thanks, John. He's like a walking Bible. Um, be continuously transformed by renewal of your mind. He who runs to the end will be saved. He who endures to the end will be saved. Run this race with endurance. You know those kind of scriptures? This is talking about this route of going from immaturity to maturity. It's a working out of our salvation. And you can go to the, the next slide. 
But we also all know that no curve in life looks, looks like that, right? It's a little bit more of a roller coaster, roller coaster ride. Now, a lot of people, they speak about IQ, you know, intellectual intelligence. They speak about EQ, emotional intelligence. But this morning, and what God has been speaking to me about is about SQ, spiritual intelligence. How's your spiritual intelligence? He's been asking me, you know, he's really been challenging me. He says, Stephen, you've been born again for about just over 10 years now, but there's still too much roller coaster riding going on in your spiritual life. What I mean by that, it means the one day I'm praying for the sick and they're getting healed and in the presence of God, the next day I don't even want to read my Bible. The one day you're on missions, you're weak on missions, you go on missions, you sound fire, you feel God's presence, you hear God's word, you minister in the power of God, you come back to South Africa, you get into work, and you're like, where's God's presence? I, I, I can't even connect to God. I, I don't even want to pray. He's been challenging me and saying, Stephen, how can this be? He's been challenging me in the area of putting routine in my life and establishing spiritual discipline in my life. Now again, I'm saying, this is not a thing. This is something that I'm busy establishing in my life. I'm not there yet, but the past two weeks, this is just what God has been speaking to me. I'm inviting you guys into this discussion of how God has been speaking to me. So are you with me? So, you know, I want to tell you, it's okay. We're all on this roller coaster, the spiritual roller coaster. Sometimes it's up, sometimes down. I want to say it's okay. But I also want to tell you that God doesn't want us to stay immature in Christ. He wants us to move to maturity. He wants us to let that variance of, of, um, of, uh, dip, that variance of the roller coaster, He wants that to become smaller and smaller and smaller. But the only way that we get that variance to become smaller and smaller is through practicing spiritual discipline. Amen? He doesn't want us anymore to be on fire for the Messiah and the next day as cold as ice. He wants us to move in a place of consistency. One, that's why I also believe why um, so many people doesn't want anything to do with church and Christianity today. Because we go to our friends and our colleagues and our people, when we're immature, when we go and share with them testimonies, which is awesome. We share with them, oh, this is what God has done. Your God has healed this person in my, I saw him. You know, I had this encounter with God. And the next day they see you like hacking off on this other employee and, and they're thinking to themselves, hey, what's happening? Is this guy serving God? Or they say, wow, this looks to me like hypocrisy. And I don't want anything to do with it. If that is what God means, then I, I don't want anything to do with it. I believe one of the biggest problems in our church, in the church globally today, is we've got a lot of Christians sitting in the immature category. They are saved. They are born again. They know that God exists. Why? Because they've experienced God. They've encountered God. They've seen Him heal people. They cannot deny the power of God and that God exists. But they're still on this absolute roller coaster of spiritual, spiritual, spirituality. Such a roller coaster. And we offend people outside of the church because if your God looks like that, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I want to touch on another point this morning and maybe not all of us will understand it, but just want to I also feel this, the whole thing of spiritual immaturity, um, this is why we also struggle with a lot of sin in our lives, why we can't get free from sin. Because what happens when we get born again? When we get born again, you literally get born again. In other words, your spirit man gets new, made new. And what Jesus does to the old person, the old person gets crucified on the cross with Jesus. He's dead, 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 dead. 
The old man is dead. You're a new creation. But the problem is, you still, when you're in that space of immaturity in Christ, just being born again, you're still a baby. It's your old life and your old habits is still much more of a reality to you than the new man that God has now said you are. So the enemy comes, the devil comes, and he whispers things in your ear, and he tells you, Stephen, just have another beer. Stephen, just open that website. Look there. Because it's, and because it sounds so familiar to what I used to be, I go and I fall for the trap of the enemy over and over and again. But actually, I'm not that person anymore. That person is dead. It's not in my nature anymore. I used to be a sinner. Now God says, I'm a saint. I used to be a lustful person. Now God says, I'm righteous. I'm pure. I'm holy. I used to, God's presence used to be far away from me. Now God's presence has come close. My body has become a dwelling place for Him. But we'll keep on in that cycle of sinning if we don't, if we don't establish the new man that God has already said we are. <laughs> I hope you're getting this. So the problem is not with Jesus' ability to kill the old man, but with our lack of establishing a new man through spiritual discipline. The problem is not with Jesus' ability to kill the old man, but with our lack of establishing the new man through spiritual discipline. Because how can we live out the new man if we don't know what the new man looks like? Okay, we're moving on to the what. What is spiritual discipline? Read me there the quote from Richard Foster. A spiritual discipline is an intentionally directed action which places us in a position to receive from God the power to do what we, we cannot accomplish on our own. The deep water of God's life are already flowing. We simply learn the strokes that will enable us more and more to be at home in them. The human body is our power pack of mind, body, and spirit. We discipline it in order to practice cooperation with God. So what is spiritual discipline? It's intentional action. It's intentional action. Just, this piece is so beautiful to me. The deep water of God's life are already flowing. You are already a new creation. You are already the new person. You can do nothing to be that person. But it's about learning to an, and understanding, renewing your mind so that you can understand this is who you are. So you start living in the way that God has already said you to be or already established or he's already said you are this person and you need to just start living as that person. The deep water of God's life already flowing. We simply learn the strokes that will enable us more and more to be at home in them, to be at home in this new man. How do we do that? Through spiritual discipline. So what is spiritual discipline? Spiritual discipline is biblical spiritual acts with a focus of, on being. Biblical spiritual acts with a focus on being or becoming like Christ. It's acts because we said it doesn't happen by chance. It's acts. It's spiritual because it's not just any kind of action. It's a spiritual action. It's biblical because there's a lot of other spiritual Zen and New, um, new Age movements and things going on. A lot of spiritual things happening out there. But what is spiritual discipline? It's a biblical. It must be in the Bible. It must be spiritual. It's in the Bible. And it's the action. And it's not about the action itself, but it's about the becoming, being more Christ-like. You know, in my life, the most important thing that my father did in my life 
the, most, the biggest impact that he had on my life was this thing, that he was present and he affirmed me. He was present in my life and he affirmed me. And I remember every rugby match and cricket match, it was either him or my mother, they, they were there. They were always present. And it doesn't matter how bad I played, it doesn't matter if we lost or if we won, when I got off the field, the first thing he would say to me, wow, Stephen, well done, good game, good pass, good little kick. To a point where I, I started to think by myself, yo, I must really be good. Because, you know, when I know I have a bad game, you know, to my father it still looks good. So, wow, I must really be good. Now, obviously my father knew something that I didn't know, but he was affirming, he was establishing something in me. And why I'm saying this is because often we don't get to a place where we, we are in that space with God. That he can be present and affirm us. God is always present and he's always speaking. The question is, are we present to him? Do we build that frame with our spiritual discipline? It's not about the spiritual discipline. It's not about the action. It's about the becoming. It's about building the framework, building discipline and routine into our lives so we can allow God to come and affirm us, so we can allow God to be present in our lives. And that will change you, I can promise you. So what is spiritual disciplines? I've, I've put up some examples there of spiritual discipline. Fasting, serving, giving, tithing, stewarding, worshipping. Fasting, not about fasting, but being more aware of God's voice. Serving, being humble. Giving, being less selfish. Tithing, being free from the love of money. Stewarding, being obedient. Worshipping, being a dwelling place for God. And there are many more spiritual disciplines. But you know what? We, it's not, like I said, it's not about the fasting. It's about being more aware of God's voice. So, how do we become more aware of God's voice? It's just like, it's like, um, um, no. If you want to become more aware of God's voice, then let's start practice, practicing the spiritual discipline of fasting. Be humble. Humble, humble, humble. I am so humble. No, how do we become humble? We practice the spiritual discipline of serving. And through that we become humble. How do we become a dwelling place for God? Through worshipping. Not just in songs like this morning, but our lifestyle of worship. Worth-ship. Putting worth on God through our action, through our life. Saying, God, you are more worth, worthy than this and this and this. Worship. To become a dwelling place. But, like I said, there's loads of other spiritual disciplines. But the three most important spiritual disciplines are not on you yet. And we're going to look at scripture now to reveal them to us. These are the basics and it's the three most important spiritual disciplines. And all other spiritual disciplines hinge on these three. It's a door with three hinges. We, it hinges on these three spiritual disciplines. All other spiritual disciplines is the outflow of these three spiritual disciplines. And this is what I want us to take home today and to discuss with our wives, to discuss with our kids, to discuss with our friends or our colleagues. This is what we've got to go and, and think about. How are we going to implement it? Actually, it's nothing new. <laughs> but we don't practice it. Let's go to 1 Timothy 4, verse 13 to 16 to see what they are. And this is actually just a couple of verses further 
from the initial scripture that we read. Still Paul speaking to Timothy. Remember, Paul is raising up Timothy, saying, how, how can I multiply myself in him? I'm going to teach him these fundamentals about Christianity. So we pick up there from verse 13. Paul says to Timothy, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who, bear, and those who hear you. Okay, so what is Paul saying? Those first three things. He's saying reading, pay attention to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Those three we can bundle together because it's reading the word, expounding on the word, and understanding the doctrine. He's basically saying read the word. That's the first and most important spiritual discipline. Read the word. The next one there is meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. The second most important spiritual discipline is meditating upon the word of God. Keeping it in your mind, thinking about it, pondering about it, wrestling about it, wrestling with God about it. And the third one, and it's actually not in the scripture, but it's all in the Bible, it's praying about the Word of God, reading the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, pray about the Word of God. And look at this, he says that your progress might be evident to all. Remember the curve? Your progress to spiritual maturity, Timothy, your progress to spiritual maturity will be evident to all. As you practice these basic fundamental spiritual disciplines. So that not only yourself will be saved, but also those who hear you. So what are the three most important spiritual disciplines? Read the word of God. Meditate upon the word of God. And pray about the word of God. Read with me the next uh, quotation. So do not... So do not expect always to get an emotional charge or feeling of quiet peace when you read the Bible. By the grace of God, you may expect that to be a frequent experience, but often you will get no emotional response at all. Let the word break over your heart and mind again and again as the years go by. And imperceptibly, there will come great change in your attitude and your outlook and conduct. You will probably be the last to recognize these. But when, but when your eyes close for the last time in death and never again read the word of God in scripture, you will open them to the word of God in flesh. That same Jesus of the Bible whom you have known for so long, standing before you to take you forever to his eternal home. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. That's, this blows me away. He's holding this thing before me. He says, Guys, there's a place of spiritual maturity where we can grow towards, where we know the Word, the Word being Jesus, where we know Jesus so well that when we breathe our last breath and we close our eyes for the last time in this world, we wake up to that same Jesus in the flesh or in reality, in the Spirit, we wake up to, to this Jesus and we just continue with our conversation. So the question is, what conversation will you be having with Jesus when, if you die today? What conversation are you continuing with him? Will we even recognize him? So beautiful. He's holding this thing before us. We can know God. We can know Jesus over the years, over time. And you saw that on that graph of mine, time was on the x-axis. In other words, it is a factor, but it's not the decisive factor. 
It takes time to grow in spiritual maturity. It doesn't happen from one day to the next. It takes time. But at the same, in the same sentence, time doesn't heal. Time doesn't bring about change in itself. For example, if you've been born again for 20 years, you can pretty much be very much immature just as you started off. And another guy being two years born again, he could have climbed that on that route much further than you. Because the decisive factor is if he's practicing the spiritual disciplines. Read me the next, next quote there. Because sometimes we feel like, yeah, I just, I can't pray. I just don't want to pray. Though man's heart be much indisposed to prayer, yet if he can but fall into a meditation of God and the things of God, his heart will soon come off to prayer. Begin with reading or hearing. Go on with meditation and end in prayer. Reading without meditation is unfruitful. Meditation without reading is hurtful. To meditate and to read without prayer upon both is without blessing. So what is he saying here? He's saying that if you read without meditating on the word, it's unfruitful. Why? Because it goes in the one ear and it goes out the other ear. That's why we need to read and then meditate on the word. Establish what we've read in, in our hearts. If you only meditate without reading the truth, that's hurtful. That's painful. Why? Because then we just ponder about and we meditate upon our own thoughts about things that's going on in the world and we just get depressed and we get hopeless because there's no truth. That's hurtful. That's depressing to meditate. That's why we first need the word. First need the truth. Then we need the meditation. But if you read and you, if you, read and you meditate without prayer, you're missing out of a, on a blessing of God. Because God actually wants to bless. He wants to interact. He wants you to communicate back to Him. Maybe you're here this morning and, you, and you're saying to me, Stephen, you know, you know, Brew, I just want a relationship with God. You know? I don't want to practice these things. It's like, this is very legalistic, Stephen, you know? It's all about love, man. It's all about relationship with God, Brew. I just want a relationship with God, Brew. I want to ask a question. How do you have relationship without communication? And how do you have communication without reading the Word of God? Because the written Word of God is still the primary way that God communicates to us. Yes, He communicates through pictures and a lot of other stuff, but the primary way that He communicates to us is through the written Word of God. So how can we have relationship if we don't read the Scriptures? If we don't create a framework, a discipline, a routine in our life, a daily routine of reading the Scripture. If we don't practice meditation, how can we allow God's now voice, His rhema word to come into our hearts, the Holy Spirit to speak to us now, if we don't practice medica- meditation? And if we don't pray to God, then I mean, how else, how else is that relationship going to grow if you don't speak to God, if you're not communicating back to God? So this is not at all legalistic. These practicing the spiritual discipline is fundamental to a relationship with God. I want to go as far as to say that if you don't have these, if you don't establish these, actually you don't have a relationship with God. Because there's no communication. Amen. Everybody's saying amen. We're very excited this morning. So how do we do this? We've spoken about the why, we've spoken about the what, but how do we do this? How do we actually 
read the word? How do we meditate on the word? How do we pray about the word? The practice of spiritual discipline is the only route to maturity in Christ. First and foremost, and I'm just sharing out of my heart what God has been speaking and laying upon my heart and what He's challenging me about. And He's saying, Stephen, you have to establish a daily routine. You have to establish a daily routine. This spiritual discipline doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen randomly. It's not like you can just go through life and expect, hey, here five minutes, there two minutes, here three minutes, and woohoo, me and God, we're just really, you know, going well. We have to actually sit down and think about it and say we all have different schedules. We've all got different things going on. Or we all have busyness. And that's what Satan loves to do, just keep you busy. Busy, 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 busy. One topic to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Why? What's the point of life if we are so busy with all these things around us? We don't come to the most important thing. The reason why we're here is to connect to God because in eternity He wants to connect with us and spend eternity with us. We've got a short opportunity to connect with Him here on earth. That's the purpose why we're here. To become more Christ-like. To learn His heart. But we're so busy, busy, busy. When I challenge you guys, ask the question to yourself, why? Why? If you're doing so, yo, I'm so busy, I have this thing. Yo, I'm so busy, now I have this thing. Yo, I must work. I, you know, I've, I just, um, I've got a lot of friends to look. Why? Ask yourself the question, why, until you get to the root. Because often, beneath the surface of the things that we do, there's ungodly motivation. It's a pride. It's a striving. It's a drivenness. Ask yourself, why are you doing what you are doing? So we have to think about it. We have to be creative and practical about it and say, this is my schedule. I want to put the first things first. Like John says, this is what I learned from him. He says, that put the first thing first and the second things, God will give the second things to you as well. Put the second things first and you'll lose the first and the second things. Thanks, John, for that scripture. Let's give him a hand. He's been really fundamental to my message this morning. So scripture speaks about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all else will be added unto you. So what is your main priority? Because as Christians, this should be our main priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. So we say, okay, this is our schedule, but hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line my schedule up so that, so that it fits with my routine with God. I'm going to establish a routine with God and my schedule must be happy with that. It must fall in place with that. So I want to challenge you guys. I've been, I'm, like I said, I'm busy establishing this in my own life. But I'm going to start from tomorrow for 40 days. They say in 40 days you can establish a routine, you can establish a discipline. From tomorrow on for 40 days and we're going to end just before Christmas, just between the 23rd and then it's going to be a routine so we're going to carry on with it. But for 40 days from tomorrow, I want to challenge you to join me in this. Go home today and discuss it. Think about it. How are you going to establish routine and discipline, daily routine in your life. Then we start practicing it together. Let's get practical about our relationship with God. For the next 40 days, what does it mean? For me, it means I need to wake up 5.15 in the morning. Quarter past 5 in the morning, my alarm goes off. I'm not allowed to snooze. If I snooze, I have to put the alarm away at the end of the bed or whatever so that I can physically get out of bed. Okay, that's practical. That's, that's what it means for me. 5.15, I need to get up. I'm not allowed to snooze. Because if I snooze once, I snooze twice, I snooze three times. So I'm not allowed to snooze. Now I'm out of bed. What does it mean now? Now you have to get a, have an action plan. Have a get out of bed plan. It doesn't help to get out of bed and then think like, 
hey, what am I going to do now? Because in that state of, of tiredness, you'll just say, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, okay, I'll just sleep a little bit more now. No, you've got to have action plans. So it means I get out of bed, I get dressed, I go down to the kitchen, I put on the kettle, I start making coffee, I get my coffee, I go into the room where I spend time with God, I sit down, I sit with my rusk and my coffee, and I open the Bible, and now I'm ready. That's my routine. I don't have to think about it tomorrow morning. 5.15, out of bed, and boom, I'm there. It's a routine. It's an it's a, it's a action plan that I have. Now I'm there. I'm in front of the scripture. Now it's a reading plan. What is my reading plan? Because it also doesn't help if you only have half an hour, 40 minutes, and you waste 20 minutes of thinking, where will I read today? Will I go to Matthew? Or will I do, oh, I feel a little bit like this. No, let's start reading through a portion of scripture. Let's start with a book. Let's just choose one. Doesn't matter. Just choose one. Matthew, Revelations, Timothy. And let's start and then work through it. Or, or get a devotional that can help guide you. But I want to say, get a devotional that's, um, that has a lot of scripture on it. Not a devotional that's got a lot of talking and one scripture. Because this, what we're talking about here, spiritual discipline, only works when we have the word that's washed over us. We are only changed by the word, not by second-hand revelation. So you want to get a script, uh, ideally you want to get a devotion that's got a lot of scripture on it and it's got some prompting questions that can help you to start meditating upon the word of God. It doesn't have answers, just got the questions. So for me, it's really working well that we're doing, in our, in our small group, we're doing um, a life of true worship, living a life of true worship. And I think a lot of our small groups has got really cool content in terms of it's based on scripture. It's a lot of scripture and it's just thought-provoking questions. So that's what I'm doing. Tomorrow morning I'll be there I'll be sitting, I'll be going through, through that. So I know what I'm going to be doing. Are you with me? You're thinking, you're already practically you're seeing what you're going to be doing tomorrow. And now you're sitting there and you're going through it. How do you actually plan your time? For me, I, I try to do at least 40 minutes every day. What does it mean? I need to read, then meditate, and then pray. How do I break up that 40 minutes? I don't just spend the whole 40 minutes reading because it's, then it's in the one ear and get out the other ear. I want to practice all three of these spiritual disciplines every day because they go together. So I spend 20 minutes in reading. I spend 10 minutes of meditating. I spend 10 minutes of praying. I'm not there with a stopwatch, but just more or less. The most important thing is that you you need to hear the Word of God first. You need to meditate and then pray. And in that specific order. Because it's more important for us to hear God's voice, His Word, than for Him to hear our, our voice. It's more important for us to hear what is on God's heart than it is for God to hear what's on our heart. But He allows us, in His graciousness, He allows us to communicate what's on our heart. So it's still important. But first, we start with the the reading. Then we go on to the meditation. And then the prayer. So I'm just so challenged. I just want to quickly share with you what Yvette is doing. Because she's just so inspirational for me. Her routine looks completely different. Than mine, and each of our routines look completely different. But the main thing for, that stands out for me for her, she really fights for that time, that few minutes, that half an hour or 20 minutes of time with God. She really fights for it. And what does it mean for her when she wakes up? I get up to bed a little bit earlier, I go off to work because I need to be at work a bit earlier. When she wakes up, Francis also wakes up, our daughter. So, what does it mean? She needs to wake up, get out of bed, get dressed, go to Francis, uh, get Francis, uh, change the nappy, clean her, feed her. Then she needs to go down. Then she needs to feed her with some solids. Then she has to feed herself. 
and get everything ready and just wait for the nanny to come. And then when the nanny is there, she shoots off because she knows that if she stays at home, she's going to get distracted with the nanny and with Francis. So she actually physically needs to get out of the house to savor that couple of minutes, that, that moment with God. And if the nanny comes late, there goes a quiet time. But she, she, she's so, so strict with herself. She, even in the evenings before she goes to bed, she makes sandwiches for me. She makes sandwiches for herself. She prepares um, the, the breakfast already for, uh, for Francis in the morning, for herself in the morning. So in the morning when she wakes up, she's got as little as possible to do because she doesn't want to hinder with that time with, that she has with God. Then she drives off to work because she wants to go and sit outside of work in the car just before she goes to work, she wants to sit in the car there and spend time with God. But on the way there, she knows she's got limited time. So on the way there, she uses the time. She starts to thank God. She enters the courts with thanksgiving and praise. She starts just thanking Him, just praying thanksgiving, singing a song that comes to heart, maybe putting a, 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 some music on in the car. But she's just thanking Him because she knows she's got limit, limited time. This is precious time for her. So she starts thanking Him. And once she gets to... Uh, uh, the work, and when she stops, her heart is already open to receive from God because she's used that time. Then she spends a couple of moments reading scripture, meditating, praying on it, and the the day starts. I'm just so encouraged by it. Come on, guys, we can do this. Can we do it? I'm an ordinary guy. We are ordinary people, but God has called us to extraordinary things. Amen? God wants us to impact nations and generations. He wants us to build a kingdom. He doesn't want us just to heal the sick, get a salvation. He's called us to make disciples, to raise up people that follow after Christ, to have a lasting legacy, to leave a lasting impact. We can do this. How? Day by day, establishing a daily routine, connecting with God, practicing the spiritual discipline.